0: Man, this is fun, isn't it? It's fun seeing God moving all over the earth. I told you God is dominating the planet. And uh, lest we think that the enemy is uh, in charge, he's not. And if you're dealing with something right now, let's let's just learn to fight. Let's learn to go low. Let's learn to believe God. Let's learn to trust him. Let's learn to press in. You with me? I'm telling you, you're winners. You're not losers. You're winners because we follow the winner. He conquered everything, and he wins. And so I want you to get ready this morning. I'm going to continue this series on hero making. And I just want to start with something. If I, if I uh, asked you all, um, what are some secrets to growing spiritually? What would you tell me? Give me some help. Read your, read your Bible. How many of you think that's a good thing? If you're not in the Bible, how do you know God's promises? How do you know God's big vision? All right, you've got to read the Bible. How many of you think that works good? All right. Helps you grow. I even preached this year, right? Read through the Psalms. Pray through the Psalms as a prayer book. It's a great tool. Hope you're doing that. What else do you do? Pray. Pray. What's prayer? Just talking to God. You can't have a relationship with God if you never talk to him. So we got to talk to God. We got to make time to bring our requests before him. What else? Fellowship. Fellowship. You can't do this alone. You got to be with other people, right? We need each other. We heard, we saw that all morning. What else? Worship. We, we, we come together corporately and not just here, but throughout the week. We have, we, we live in one of the most amazing times in history when literally you can take out your phone and have in a concert going as you walk, right? And we can listen to podcasts. We can download music. I mean, what, what kind of, who could have ever dreamed of this? What a blessing. So we should be worshiping in lots of places all the time. In fact, I encourage you, you know, Andrew brought me, bought me Alexa for our house. So we got Alexa. I, cu- I kept calling her Siri for the longest time. She wouldn't respond. I say, Siri, play Hillsong. And nothing, she just sits there. Alexa, and then she starts talking to me, all right? But I start, in our house, All we, we just tell Alexa. She's our, our little helper. She, Alexa, play this, play that. All of a sudden, our house is full of worship. Isn't that amazing? So if your house is full of people yelling and screaming at each other, it's hard for that to happen when worship's in the background. That was for somebody. It's hard to be selfish when you're singing about how amazing Jesus is. So fill your house with praise and watch how the atmosphere of your house changes. Everything I share with you is, is all wonderful, and I'm encouraging more of it. But here's the problem with Christianity. We have what I call quiet time Christianity. Who is the focus of all of our quiet times? We like to say Jesus, but it's all about me growing spiritually. I want to grow in my knowledge of the Bible. That's not a bad thing. I want to learn how to pray because I want to be a prayer warrior. That's not a bad thing. I want to, I want to worship God. I want to, I want to grow in my calling and my destiny, etc. It all is good, but, but we get up to a certain point, and here's what I'm getting at again. If it's dead ends with you, you've completely missed the purpose of Bible reading. I mean, you know, the Bible has to come to us to go through us to hopefully bless somebody else. Now, I was talking about Joel and Carly this morning, my wonderful daughter-in-law. Um, she came out of a traditional church background that was not, heavy, not a heavy emphasis on the Scriptures. And so when she gave her life to Jesus and had an encounter with Jesus, um, she didn't have a lot of knowledge about the Bible. So guess what she started doing? Teaching children's ministry. I mean, you know, kids are really forgiving. They didn't know. They don't ask you stuff like, what's that say in the Greek? They never ask that question. <laughs> right they they're forgiving which means if you show up and you love them and you study the children's lesson guess what's going to happen to your bible knowledge you're going to grow but notice the growth came through giving it away now obviously we're not saying get up on the platform and preach on sunday and that no we're, we realize there's there's levels of training we get all that but my point is this if if your spiritual disciplines end in you They're your discipline so that you can grow, so that you can be great, so that you can be spiritual, so that you can look in the mirror and go, wow, I'm looking so much like Jesus. Aren't I wonderful? Um, I mean, you know, that's that's not what it's for. Every bit of God that I get, every bit of his presence, every bit of knowledge, every transformation. why Why do we have people testify? Because you have to give it away. It's not meant to stop with you. And this is so cool, because like, if you just got saved at the encounter, you're like one minute old at the encounter, but you just encountered Jesus, guess what? You have something to say. You can find somebody and say, let me tell you what just happened to me. You might not even have the language to explain it. You don't even know how to point to the Bible to to where it happened, or what the basis was was in the Bible, but you got rocked. And so here's my point. Everything that that we do needs to transform us so that we can be about hero making, which is our series, all right? Hero making. I shared week one. What, revel- what revelation? It's not about me. Hallelujah. This whole world is not about me. The most miserable people in the world are trying to pursue their own happiness. What I teach you to do, turn the spotlight off of you. Get it on somebody else. This room is full of broken people, myself included. This room is full of broken people. Who can you love? Who can you encourage? Isn't it amazing that when you get your eyes off of yourself and you just begin to find somebody else with a need greater than yours, you start getting happy. Joy starts filling your heart. Am I speaking the truth? So stop making you the focus of Christ's salvation. Actually, he's just trying to work through you to bless the planet. All right, that's why He saved you to bless the planet. So let's get our eyes off of ourselves. Let's turn the spotlight on other people. And I said we need to have a shift in our thinking. And the shift in our thinking that needs to happen is we need to start getting into a multiplication mindset. What do I mean by that? Let's stop playing. Let's stop playing division and subtraction in the church, and let's start playing addition, growing people, and multiplication in the church. That the whole purpose of you being in this place. is so you can come to encounter Jesus, be loved, be healed, be mended. But how many of you know that love, men, train, send thing just keeps going around and around because you're never done loving, you're never done mending, you're never done training, and you're never done sending. It's a a constant cycle that we go through in the body of Christ. How many of you know I've known the Lord for many, many years. God's still healing my heart. God's still revealing more of himself to me. I still have more to learn which is why I love going to the nations. I can receive from all the nations of the world because they're precious and they have a revelation of Jesus that I might not have. So we gotta just keep growing, but we gotta stay in the game. We have to think in terms of a movement. Church, can you believe with me that God wants us to be a part of a kingdom movement? not just living stones, not just putting more chairs up and that that's somehow our badge of success. That's not success. Success is a movement of people that are unstoppable, full of fire, full of passion, full of Jesus, that are loving and serving the community and loving people that goes global. Are you hearing me? Goes to unreached nations. Goes to the two percenters over in Pakistan who are needing help to to reach their nation with the gospel of Jesus. So we change our thinking. We change our seeing. I told you, let's be a part of a church that doesn't focus on everybody's warts and everybody's flaws? How about when the guys in the ditch don't walk by them? How about pull them out? How about when the person next to you, when they're trying hard and maybe they fall flat on their face, how about lift them up? How about see something in somebody's life that you can speak and tell people, even just telling people. My dad would tell me sometimes, he just say this, it's going to be all right, you're going to get through this. You know, when someone with gray hair somewhere on their body that's older than you says to you, and you're young and you're going through hell, says to you, you're going to make it. It's going to be all right. You know, the power of a father's voice to bring peace. Hey guys, I'm looking for a whole church of fathers to tell people it's going to be all right your best days are ahead. We're going to be here with you. We're going to love you to the end. We're not going to quit on you. This is a church that believes in you. In fact, let's tell people what we see in them, the good things in them, the destiny in them, the call of God on their lives, and not be the church that beats people up with the Bible. Or that finds all the flaws in people's life. You know that the word, the prophetic word is not a word that nails people. It's a word that lifts people and nurtures people and envisions people and calls them into a future destiny that God has for them. And we're all Holy Ghost-filled people. We should be the most prophetic voices on the planet. But it has to start in the local church. It has to start, if you want to look for a place to practice, how about with your spouse? How about with your siblings? How about with your kids? How about with the people you work with? Look for something you can do. And we went out to eat on our way home from the encounter and the lady that was serving us, we just loved on her. We laughed with her. We joked around with her. Told her she was doing a good job. And this is always the kicker. We left her a massive tip. Not a track. If you're going to leave a track, leave it with a massive tip. But if you're going to leave a track only pick it up, because you're not helping us out, bro. You're not helping us out. So we're going to bless people. But I want to talk to you this morning about the third hero-making practice, which is disciple multiplying, and it involves a shift in sharing. Everybody say sharing. Sharing. You begin to share not just what you know to help others follow Jesus, but check this out. You also share your life with them. Now, I want to show you that Jesus Jesus is the epitome of the fullness of wisdom and knowledge. Are you with me? No one is smarter than Jesus. Jesus makes Albert Einstein look like he's severely mentally handicapped. No joke. Jesus is the wisdom of God in perfection. No human being compares to him. No one even comes close. Could Jesus not have just done his ministry by simply downloading wisdom everywhere he went uh, and and showing how smart he was. He could have done that, but you see just the opposite. Jesus had impartation as far as teaching and wisdom and revelation, but isn't it interesting that he gave his life away and he loved people. Now, I want to show you this model. It's an amazing picture, and it's found here in John 3, verse verse 22. John 3, 22. I share with you in the last couple of weeks that Jesus' ministry was primarily three years, three and a half years on planet Earth. That's all we get from his public ministry is about three years. And during those three years, you would have thought Jesus would have tried to get as big of crowds as he could possibly pull together. It's not what he did. The bulk of Jesus' time was spent with 12 human beings over three years. And I want to show you what Jesus did when he was with these 12 human beings. John chapter 3, verse 22. Then Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went into the Judean countryside. And look at what it says there. Jesus spent some time with them there, baptizing them. Here's Jesus' ministry plan. It's really complicated. Everybody listen carefully. He selects a small group of people. They hang out together, and they minister to people together and to one another. Small group of people hang out, minister to people. Pretty simple, isn't it? We could put that on a shirt or something like that. Andrew's probably laughing at me. I got another t-shirt design coming. All right. The word in the Greek for spend time is a word called diatribo. The prefix dia in, in the Greek means against, and tribo means to rub. So when you diatribo, you rub against. So check out what Jesus is doing. His strategy for ministry is to get together and rub off on each other. How many of you know the longer you're married, people start to say things like, man, you're looking like each other, which is scary for my wife, all right? Don't ever say that, all right? You're looking like each other. Or how many of you know you can you can say a sentence and your spouse can finish it? Or you can even have an uh, uh, just a glance and you already know what you're thinking. Y'all know what I'm talking about. How did that happen? Because I have been diatriboing with my wife. I have been rubbing shoulders with my wife. And guess what happens when you spend a lot of time with somebody? We use the phrase, you're rubbing off on me, right? In fact, if you're, you know, some people say that about kids. Oh, you know, my gosh, when your son did this, he sounded just like you. Well, that's because he's been diatriboing with me in the house for a long time. We're rubbing lots of shoulders together. What happens when we come together as the church? What are we doing here on Sunday? Rubbing shoulders What happens when you rub shoulders together with the people around you? You become like them, which is why we need to be full of faith, full of love, full of hope, full of joy, full of generosity, because the church you choose to hang with and rub shoulders with is going to impact you and your destiny. Who do you want to rub shoulders with? I want to rub shoulders with someone that looks like Jesus, acts like Jesus, and loves like Jesus, and thinks like Jesus. How about you? So Jesus is rubbing shoulders with the guys and they're getting rocked and they're picking up on what he's doing and they're watching the way he operates. You know, how many know your kids, dad, are watching the way you treat their mom? They're watching if you open the door for her. They're watching your tone of voice. They're watching how you talk to her. They're watching if you serve her or you treat her like a slave or you treat her like a queen. They're watching. And here's the scary thing. They're rubbing off on us. We're rubbing off on them. We're reproducing after our own image and kind. And so Jesus says, I'm going to get together with the guys. And we're gonna have a band of brothers retreat and we're gonna spend some time eating and laughing and rubbing shoulders and sharing the word and loving on people and ministering to people. And that's what he spent the bulk of his time doing. Now this is crazy. Jesus was the school. Jesus was the curriculum. Now I'm not against good curriculum and good schools and they serve a purpose, but here's the point. Jesus did His teaching in the midst of them hanging out together. In fact, many times He'd pull them back together and say, let me explain what just happened. Y'all remember those times? The guys are all confused. What in the world just happened? Jesus pulls them together. Jesus was the school. His life. Now, now hear me on this. You know, we talk about bishop or we talk about People say living in Pastor Ron's basement or whatever. One of the most profound things somebody ever said to me after living in my basement was this. You know what? The preaching on Sunday, that's great. I've learned a lot from you. The church is great. I've learned, I've taken different classes. But this is what one young man said. But simply being in your home and watching how you guys operate and love one another and the way that you treat your wife has been like going to college. Now, how many of you know, this is the way we should be living That our lives are open books. Let me just tell you something. The reason some folks do not want anybody in their house is because then another person would know how dysfunctional and broken your house is. So we don't want anybody in our house because somebody might see how I really am. Now I'm not picking on this. Isn't for any of you. None of none of those people are here this morning. All right. So, but how many know I'm telling the truth? Our lives should be an open book. And here's the cool thing. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Because people can learn from the bad and the ugly as well as the good. But here's the point. We're all getting transformed. And Jesus mentored people by simply being in his presence. All right, you're all talking way too much. Let me move faster here. Look at Mark chapter 3. I want you to see the heart of Jesus again. We're looking for models on multiplication. Mark 3, verse 14. He appointed the twelve whom he named apostles he wanted them. Notice desire. He wanted. He desired them to be continually at his side as his friends so that he could send them out to preach and have authority to heal the sick and to cast out demons. Now, let me unpackage this for you. I want to give you five disciple-making principles here that I think are super important. Notice Jesus' focus was on the few and not the many. I talk to so many pastors who are discouraged because their, their whole focus is on how many people can come to church on Sunday morning and sit under the roof and hear them preach. Now, they don't say that last part, but that's just the hero part in all of us, right? We want to fill our churches to hear us preach. Jesus was not focused on filling churches to hear him preach. Jesus' focus was on a few. And I'm going to show you the genius of this, not the many, the few. Second point, we've got to start prioritizing relationships over curriculum. Now I'm a teacher kind of guy, and and you all know this because I have five closings because I'm always trying to squeeze in everything in my notes. And some of you that aren't teacher types are like, "There he goes again on the fifth closing." I'm sorry, I'm trying to I'm trying to get free, but that's just who I am. So teacher types like to focus on curriculum. I'm going to give you six points. I'm giving you five this morning, right? And I'm not going to let you leave until I give you all five because I'm a teacher and I can't can't tolerate that. All right. Jesus did not focus on the curriculum. He focused on the relationship. Now, let me bring this to church. I know, you know, you could define churches by different lead qualities, but one one certainly a quality of a leading church that might be called that church is a teaching church. Some of you have in mind churches that would be known as teaching churches. They got great Bible teachers. They produce great curriculum. They produce great sermon series. In fact, my mother and father-in-law, when they were down in Florida, went to one of the greatest teaching churches in the history of American church. But here's what they said: the relationship, the the community, was next to nothing. In other words, everybody came to hear the preaching, but there was no community. And so what happens is. Whenever the hero preacher falls, the church splits and scatters like crazy and nothing's left because the church was built on the wrong foundation. Jesus built his ministry on relationships and the teaching and the life sharing and the transformation came when they ministered together and they processed it together. But Jesus loved these men. And I've heard this said in the church before. Any pastors out there can can relate. Pastors say things like this. The ministry would be great if it wasn't for the people. Now, they say it They say it tongue-in-cheek, but they also say it because they got sheep bites all over their behind, down their legs, uh, and they've been through a few battles. But I've actually heard pastors say that. Church would be great if it wasn't for the people. Ha, 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 ha. No, listen to me. Church is great because of the people. Yeah, we're broken. Yeah, we get on each other's nerves. Yeah, we don't always do it right. But when you lose your love for people, you've lost the ministry. When you lose your love for the people sitting next to you, we become just an institution. We are not a life-giving place where God is present and where we're ministering like Jesus because Jesus wasn't all about just curriculum. So here's what we're doing. This is a practical application. I, man, when we get together and we got an hour, man, we're going to give you so much content you're not going to know what to do with it. We're not going to do that anymore. Now when we're in our discipleship classes, when we're in our, our, our life groups, we're going to certainly give principles and some teaching, but we're making room for relationship, talking about it, sharing our lives. How, what are you struggling with? How can we pray for you? Uh, wh- how about this point? How does that hit you? I mean, let's get real, and let's start doing ministry together and doing ministry to each other, and let's bring relationship at least up to equal balance as what we're trying to teach people. Does that make sense? Which is why. Every service, no matter what, we always make room here at the altar to, to diatribo with you, to rub shoulders with you, to be accessible to you, to pray for you, to hug you, because we love you and you're the reason why we're here. One person's excited about that. I heard it some, <laughs> somewhere over there. Alright, good. Good. Hey, come on, I see some hands being waved. Alright, I know you guys are getting into it. All right, intimacy. How about this? Number three, pursue intimacy before ministry. Look what Jesus says. Man, I'm looking for friends. i got to tell you this this morning. Jesus wants you to be his friend. He doesn't have a help wanted sign out. He's not looking for help. He's king and sovereign ruler. He's looking for friends. He's looking for people to do ministry together with. Isn't that an amazing thing? He wants you to be his friend. But look at what happens next. Before they could go out and preach or heal the sick, Or cast out demons. They had to have an intimate relationship with the Lord. How many of you know the best ministry does not come out of theory, it comes out of your God encounter? And this is a word for somebody here today. The pain that you're going through right now, the disappointment, the the, the heartache, the the tough circumstances, don't you dare waste a drop of it because God is not, and he will shape you and and mold you and teach you something about himself in the midst of your pain and brokenness that will change your life and cause a strength to come up inside of you and cause more of a revelation of Jesus his sufficiency, his wisdom, his care, his comfort. That's the purpose of every hurt and wound. Don't you dare waste it and don't you dare quit. God's equipping you to show you more about himself. And here's the problem. We run the wrong direction. If you'll run to the Lord and into his arms in your darkest hour instead of away or throw up your hands and quit uh, and you stop giving up and you start pursuing God, you will see something about God that he will show you in that intimate time that will absolutely rock your world and change your life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I know from experience. So here's what I do. When the devil starts messing with me, when the devil starts messing with my family, I come right in here in my office somewhere. I get alone, and I start telling him what he's going to pay for what he's doing, and I start thanking God that in the midst of this, he's using a loser like Satan to teach me something amazing about God's great love for me. That's what I tell him. You've got to know how to pull yourself out of this stuff. So we're going to pursue intimacy before ministry, which is why we always encourage you, another bishopism, rubbing shoulders, hang out here for about six months and figure out what this place is all about. How about before you're looking for a position or a job or a title, why don't you have more and more God encounters that just continue to mold you and shape you and teach you and prepare you for what God has. Intimacy always precedes ministry with the Lord. I want you to see point number four here. Focus on sending over seating. Sending over seating. Can I just be real clear with you? The goal on Sunday morning is not to see if we can fill this place. The goal on Sunday morning is to see how quickly we can empty this place. Now it's gonna be a it should be a beautiful cycle. But the goal is never to see how many people we can seat here. The goal is to see how many people we can love and men and train and send into doing what God's called them to do, including going to the nations of the world. Yes. That was liberating, wasn't I? feel good because most pastors are going, oh man, we were a little bit low this morning. You're shooting at the wrong target, dude. What's your problem? I'm speaking to myself. I was there for many years. The right target is, isn't it great that all you folks are here and you're hungry for God and I have the pleasure of worshiping with you and being your brother and being your pastor and helping to train and equip and love you and love train men to send you so that we can go out and make the biggest splash we can possibly make in our lives while we're here yeah. now i'm happy now i'm happy all right quickly you guys are talking too much number five release authority don't hold on to it i told you last week now, now you got to check this out jesus said i want you all to be with me i want you to be my friends Notice that word, that phrase, so that, if you got that, circle that. In other words, you got to hear this. Some people are like, oh, man, let's just hang, man. Let's just hang. Those people drive me crazy because I'm not wired that way. But if you're that way, that's cool, all right? Let's just hang. But Jesus himself didn't just hang. He hanged out with the boys on purpose. That's what the phrase, so that, says. Let's hang and rub some shoulders, eat some fish, whatever, so that. Verse isn't up there. So that. (laughs) We're way beyond that verse. All right, but I'm going to pull it out. So that I can give you authority. This is nuts. Jesus Christ wants to hand us the keys, but he only hands the keys to friends. So, notice this, the kingdom of God is built on loyalty and fidelity and love and kindness, all those wonderful fruits of the Spirit. And it's more important how we relate to each other in the kingdom than how much we know. Let me just tell you there's really smart people that really know the Bible, and they're mean. Everybody's like, oh. <laughs> Don't mention any names. Just bring that to the cross. All right. Our increased knowledge of God should not make us mean. The more revelation of God, the more like God we become, which means the more of a lover and a giver and the more kinder, the more forgiving we are, the more full of mercy we are. Not the smarter we are. God doesn't need smarts. He's, he's got that kind of covered. He needs people that he can say, man, I love that guy's heart. I love that woman's heart. Let me give you the keys. Let you take this kingdom thing out for a drive. Well, where am I gonna go? What am I gonna do? Let me tell you what you get to do. You get to tell the good news to people. You get to be the bearer of news that will change somebody's life. Anybody glad that you get to do that? Has anybody in this room besides me been captured by the wonderful addiction of finding incredible pleasure in seeing somebody else get free or healed or come to Jesus or experience hope? You know, you don't sign up to be a pastor because it's like a career choice. In fact, I encourage you, don't any of you, don't do that. It's dangerous. You know what happens? You get wrecked. And when you get wrecked, it's all you're fit to do. And the more you get wrecked, the more you want to do. And the the more vision you have, and you're not content because you want to see more. This is what the kingdom is about. It's about God giving you the keys because he can trust you because you love him and because when he gives you the keys, you'll use them to love people and help people. And then check this out. Remember when Jesus brought the boys out and he said, all right, guys, this is gonna be great today. You've been watching me. Hey, remember yesterday? Wasn't that incredible? I mean, all those people that I healed. Wasn't that amazing? Did you see the the mom with her child? She's weeping. Did you see the deaf person that's running around with such joy that can't contain it? And they're all like, yeah. And he goes, great. I'm staying back today. You guys go do it. Here's the keys. Can you imagine how they freaked out? But do you remember, I think it's Luke 10 or Luke 12, when all the guys came back, they were like, Jesus, This is awesome. I mean, it was like coming back from an encounter. Everybody's talking at the same time. Oh my gosh, did you see what happened in her life? Oh, that was what happened. All the guys came back from simply taking the car out for a drive, the kingdom car out for a drive. What happened is they took the authority they've been given from friendship with Jesus. They laid hands on people just like Jesus showed them. They prayed in Jesus' name, with Jesus' authority, with Jesus' love. And Jesus healed people. Can you imagine? This has never happened in the history of history before. And they came back. And here's what here's what it says about Jesus. He was so filled with joy. Because Jesus is a hero maker. He's trying to make a hero out of all of us so we can make a hero out of somebody else. Some of you are like, and then look what else it says. He also gave him authority to deal with evil spirits. Most people sitting here this morning are like, that's cool, but I think I'll pass on that one. You know, we had the pleasure to pray for a man at the encounter, and when the power of God comes in contact with the, with the kingdom of darkness, something has to give. And let me tell you what gives, darkness every time. And when a man starts coughing, <coughs> God catches breath, uh, choking, that's not because he just instantly happened to catch a cold while you happen to be praying for him at the altar. That's not what's happening. That's a demonic manifestation. <laughs> It doesn't have to be all weird. His head didn't spin around. We're not talking about all that stuff we've seen in the movies. But it's it's the power of darkness coming in contact with the Holy Spirit, and people start getting free. People start sometimes feeling incredibly nauseous. Well, what happened? It wasn't the food. It's because whatever nasty inside of you has just encountered the most beautiful Savior, and he says it's time to get that junk out. It is such a blessing to see people in bondage set free. And isn't it a privilege that God would give us the authority to partner with him to see that happen? Now I just gotta help you out now because I'm getting some of these days' looks up here. I'm gonna help you out. Just so if you didn't know who I was talking to, I'm talking to you and you. Talking to you. I'm talking to you. This message is for us. It's in the Bible. It wasn't just for those twelve special guys. Because what were they supposed to do? They're supposed to take what they received and give it away to others who give it away to others. How do you think we're holding the baton right now? It's come down through the generations. God's still healing people, setting people free, and saving people today. How did I get that baton? I got it from the original 12. But somebody, a bunch of somebodies were faithful to be hero makers and pass the baton. So we get the pleasure of passing it off today. You see what I'm talking about. This is the greatest privilege we could ever have received. Okay, one person's excited about that. I'm I'm working on this. I'm working. Lord, help me. Help them get it. Help them get it. I want to leave you with one more bomb here, all right? I mentioned earlier that 75% of Jesus' activity in the Gospels focused on 12 people. That's that's stunning. 75% of everything recorded is with his disciples. In fact, I want to ask you this question. Jesus spends three years public ministry. As he's getting closer to the end, do you think he would be spending more time with the multitudes or less time with the multitudes? His, his, his mission's running short. He's getting ready to go to the cross. He, should he be spending time out there or should he be still spending time with his life group? We would think he'd be racing around trying to get as many people saved as he can before he's crucified, but that's not what he's doing. He's hanging out with his life group. In fact, the last year of Jesus' life, it actually intensifies to where during his Passion Week, listen to this, during his Passion Week, he never lets the guys leave his side. This is incredible. Now I'm going to share this. This is, this is especially incredible. There's 10 post-resurrection appearances of Jesus in the Bible. In other words, after Jesus rose from the dead. 10 times in the Bible we see Jesus meeting with people. Now this is going to blow your mind because it's not the way we would do it. So far as the scriptures reveal, not one of those meetings was with one unbelieving person. Let me just frame this for you. Jesus just rose from the dead. This is the marketing moment of the lifetime. He said he was going to die. He died. He said he was coming out. He comes out. Normal people don't do this. Jesus, come up here. Jason, you're Jesus this morning. Come up here. I'm, I'm Peter, the marketing specialist. You're Jesus. That's a beautiful Jesus smile. You look like Jesus. I'm proud of you. All right. Jesus, Jesus, you just rose from the dead. I'm going to put you on billboards, dude. We're coming out with the Jesus book. It's going to be amazing. Uh, we're going to have a photo shoot at the uh, Sermon on the Mount, the Mount of Olives. We're going to have a photo shoot. Um, we're going to do one with you holding the cross over your head, like "Ha ha ha ha! I conquered death." All right, we're going to we're going to uh, we're going to take you out to to the bookstores to have a book signing. We're going to rent the biggest stadiums, and we're going to say, "Hey, y'all! All you unbelievers, all you guys that made fun, come here. Here's the man. He's here. here we would have pulled a Thomas. See and believe." Right? See? I'm serious. Wouldn't you do that? I'm, this is a great plan. I'm un, we'd take up offerings so we'd have enough money to pay for all the billboards and the buses and everything else. You did a great job. Thank you. All right. But Jesus, Jesus did something crazy. Remember when Jesus saw in Peter, he said, you're not pebble like your name says. You 're the rock you 're he called him rocky, hey rocky there 's little Mr. Pebble, you know hey Rocky he he kept calling him up, well, remember, Rocky didn 't do so well. Rocky was like oh, i 'll die for you, Jesus oh. he 's all trash talking. remember that? Insert foot, denies Christ, where after Jesus Rhett rises from the dead where 's peter he 's out in the backwoods on a private fishing trip he quit he quit fishing for people he's going back to perch and bass just like he started with he quit he is under a blanket of shame and a blanket of guilt anybody ever been there he calls you a rock and you went back to acting like a pebble Aren't you glad, though, Jesus, knowing you're going to continue to act like a pebble, still sees that you're a rock? And I just got to say that to all of you today. I don't care what you've gone through. I don't care the shame on your life, the guilt on your life. God still looks at who he sees you and who he called you to be and calls you by that name, even though you keep acting like a pebble. God Almighty, the resurrected one, has 40 days before he ascends. And where is he going? I'll tell you where he goes. He goes to find Peter. God goes after Peter. And he finds him in a spot where he's quit and he's broken and he's hurt and he doesn't even want to go on and he can't even look at Jesus. And Jesus is on the shore making fish. He's cooking fish. God is cooking fish. He raises from the dead and he doesn't do a crusade. He cooks fish for Peter. And then he starts showing up at the prayer meetings. Oh, God, help us. Everybody's freaking out. And God shows up at the door. He answer, he's an answer to your prayer, remember? And they're like, hey, Jesus is at the door. No, he can't be. He's dead. We've just been praying for Jesus. We just no. God shows up at prayer meetings to let people know, hey, hey, it's me. Touch me. Feel me. It's me. You know, what was he doing for the whole 40 days? Never did a crusade. He went to every single disciple whose faith was shaken, and he loved them, and he recommissioned them, and he said to Peter, hey, I know you feel like a loser right now. You're not a loser. You're a rock. In fact, you're going to be the foundation of a great movement, and I see that in you, and I'm just here, Peter, to tell you we're not going to go back to the old ways. We're not going to go back to fishing. We're going to keep on the assignment I have saved you and called you to myself. I've taught you well. And as your spiritual father, as your hero maker, I believe in you and you're going to, I'm in fact, let me tell you guys something really cool is going to happen. I'm going to be out of here, but I'm going to send you the most amazing friend and comforter. I'm going to fill you with me and the person of my Holy Spirit. And you are going to do greater things than I ever did in my flesh and blood on this, on this body. You're going to be a part of a movement that's going to spread across the globe. But he, it never would have happened with a crusade mentality. It happened because Jesus understood he can only do so much in 40 days. And listen to me, the best use of his time was to make sure you're loved and restored. Your heart's good. Your faith is restored. Is this not the best daddy father hero he's he lo- i just read uh, john 13 he loved these men what do you do when you love people you want to make sure that if you're leaving that they're set and that they are secure in your love, and you invest in them. Jesus never shows up, at least according to scriptures, to an unsaved person for 40 days after he raises from the dead. He's going back to his leaders. He's going back to his disciples, and he's strengthening, and he's recommissioning. And then he is gone. And here we are. So let me ask you this question. What are we doing? We're going to strengthen and love and establish, and confirm, and we're going to envision, and we're going to embrace the commission that God's put on our lives, and we're going to c- commit in our hearts that we are going to impact people for the glory of God, and we're not going to keep this treasure to ourselves. Am I speaking to the right crowd out here? And I'm talking to all y'all. I don't care if you're a baby Christian here today. I just want you to know where you're headed. You're headed to greatness. If you stay here, I have to warn you, you're headed to greatness. You're headed to significance. You're headed to healing you're headed to purpose. That's where you're headed. So I'm warning you, get out of here quick because if that's not what you want, get out of here quick. There's lots of places you can just hang out, but we're hanging out so that there can be an impartation of authority that we can do this stuff. This is good news. This is great news. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. I want to pray with you. Don't forget our our work class, our quarry class tonight, six o'clock. Don't forget, too, marriage class, 4 o'clock. Uh, we got some great, not only teaching, but some great shoulder rubbing going on. Rubbing together. Good stuff happening. If you need prayer for anything, come on down. We want to pray for you, okay? Uh, don't leave here without uh, getting loved on, all right? Getting some prayer. Father, what a vision that you've entrusted us with. And, Lord, what a privilege to join arms with you, to be your friends and to move in your authority. God, help us. Help us. I know for some people this is mind-boggling and they're not even so sure they want to sign up for the course but lord it's what you've called us into and lord i pray we'd all be willing to simply take the next step in our journey of faith so lord help us and lord whoever's here today that just needs to be uplifted encouraged needs to be blessed by you touched by you in any way god i pray that they wouldn't leave before they allow you to do that so father send us out to love people and to love them well in your name amen amen